0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is
1: Believe. You're listening to Mav Sports Take. Whether it's breaking news or sports business, this is your home for unmuzzled and unconventional sports talk. With assistant general manager, director of player personnel, and three time world champion on his resume, David Turner has a thing or two to teach you about pro football. At his side is Ryan Roberts, former college football player, football coach, and NFL Draft Bibles director of scouting. Together, they're here to take you on a deep dive into what goes on in the world of sports. Ryan and David, take it away.
2: Welcome to Mavs Sports Tag. We are episode 14, bringing you everything and anything you need to know, college football, NFL, NFL draft, anything and everything in the sports world for some unmuzzled. Sports Takes. Ryan Roberts here, Director of Scouting at NFL Draft 5. i got got Mr. David Turner, 18-year scouting vet, on the line with me. David, before we introduce our humble guest to the podcast for the first time, how are you doing tonight, my friend?
3: Doing great. Fired up. Can't be more excited about this episode. I mean, we got the RIC in prime time. We got Rising Draft. We got DT. What else do you need, baby?
2: And that, that Hey, I, I couldn't have done a better intro for that and, and, and if I wanted to. I got the owner of NFL Draft Bible, good friend, NFL PA Bowl game scouting coordinator, the RIC in the place to be. Mr. Rick Saratella. how are we, Rick?
0: Uh, hey, you know, I appreciate you guys finally
3: rolling out the red carpet. Would it take 23 episodes to have me on here? <laughs> hey, it's like the Italian household. It's an open door policy. You got to show up, though. If you don't show up, I I can't open the door for you. I'm
2: here. He's here. He's here. I'm indeed. here with the fresca. <laughs> <laughs> with the fresca. <laughs> We're getting it started nice here tonight, my friends. If you have not seen Rick Saratella at 830 at night, you see him now. If you're live with us right now on Facebook, YouTube, and on Twitter, of course, at Rise and Draft. You are watching with us right now. We appreciate you all for taking some time tonight again on episode 14 what are we doing tonight? We're going to talk some general questions here. We're going to do some pick-ems from college football, NFL. We're going to take some questions at the end. If you have any live questions at any time on any and all platforms that you're watching us right now, throw them in and we will take them down live. But we got a bunch that we want to hit at, at the end there. Before we begin, I want to remind you, the running back position is something that has become undervalued to a degree in recent years. But we are here to show you, through a scout's eye this Friday, on Friday Night Scout School, the importance and the process of evaluating the position. If you want to learn how to scout through the eyes of a scout, through David Turner, 18-year scouting vet, and myself, please sign up now at NFODraftBible.com for all our great seminar series that we are doing. We're going to be going through some questions here, Talking NFL, college football, we're going to look at some of the teams that may have changed going into the offseason. We've already seen some head coaches fire, some GMs fire. There's going to be a lot of opportunity this offseason. We're looking at teams like the New York Jets, Jacksonville Jaguars, talking about Adam Gase, talking about Doug Marone. Is the Chargers head coach going to be out sometime soon? We're going to talk about the Cowboys. Is, Is Mike McCarthy going to be one and done? New York Giants, are they holding strong with Joe Judge? Washington, with all the tur- turnover that's happening over there. The Lions, the Panthers. There's a bunch of teams that could be potentially in rebuild, reload, whatever you want to call it, in some transition this per- this offseason. David, if there is a team that you're very confident in, let's start here. A team that you're very confident in that is going to be making a front office move this offseason to either get rid of a coach, get rid of a general manager, What team, if you're a betting man, are you putting money on? There's a new person at the top of the organization come 2021.
3: Well, if I'm a betting man, it'd be the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, it's just they're an organization that's had struggles for a decade now, and they're not getting any better. They don't have the personnel on staff, the the coach that's in, in the seat right now isn't getting it done he's been there I think five years so it's time to make a change of the coach and I think the GM too it's just a culture change it's got to be weeded out you got great players that you know are begging to get out of there so that's telling you that something's going on with that culture in that locker room that they don't want to be around each other they don't want to be there they just want to go somewhere else and get out of there so you know if I'm I'm picking one it's going to be absolutely the Jacksonville Jaguars that's going to have both I think openings happen, you know, I, I'll I'll let Rick pick one, and then I'll go back around the horn here.
0: Uh, Well, I mean, I think Joe Douglas here, we're putting you on blast young man. Uh, We already know Adam Gase is out the door from what my understanding is now it's, it's make it or break it time for Joe Douglas because Adam obviously had an influence in bringing Joe in. And now you're hearing that even though he has four years left on his contract, he is defending Adam so hard that he is now in jeopardy of being canned. And so in the next few weeks, either Joe is going to have to social distance himself from Adam Fugazi, or, you know, he's going to have to put his big boy pants on and make a decision and say, Hey, you know, either you're in or you're out, but I'll tell you what, if Joe Douglas continues to stand for Adam Gates the way he has behind closed doors, he'll be out the door as well.
3: And that's sad because I've been defending Joe the whole time because I think some of the moves he's making, it makes sense for next year to build, to get better, and everything. I just don't like the coach at all. I think that coach is a killer. And he and last night, did you see that they, they did you see they catch him sleeping? He brings you in, and then you got to kind of. Do, pull an Easter bay and stab him in the back to remake. Well, it's not really an Easter bay. I mean, to be honest with you, it's, it's, a, it, it's a situation where the coach is making his own, he's made his own bed and he's lying in it. It doesn't mean you got to lie next to him. You know, you don't got to bury him, but you don't got to lie next to him and snuggle up like he is. You, well, you don't like, have the invitation to the bed without one. Well, hey, she can invite you to bed. Doesn't mean you got to snuggle up. You know, you can turn your back and look the other way. I'm just saying, you don't got to go little spoon, big spoon.
0: Well, I think it's going to be an interesting case, and you know Jacksonville's interesting too because you have a hundred million dollars in cap space projected for next year. But you know that that's the devil's advocate because you've got to beg people to come play in Jacksonville. You've got to overpay. I mean, you're already overpaying once you're. Paying for talent on the free agent market, you're already overpaying. Now you've got to overpay on top of overpaying just to bring him into Jacksonville. Because as David mentioned, all the talent that's cried their way out the door there, uh, something's going on.
2: Well, I, in one one situation that I really want to talk about with you guys a little bit because it was, and me and David have talked about this a little bit, Rick is the team that I had higher expectations going on before the season is I was looking at the Dallas Cowboys and the roster and the assemblance of, of a lot of what seemed like core talent to that team. And then like, obviously a lot of injuries, right? Like you cannot like substitute for some of the things that have happened. I mean, I saw a list today of the players that have gotten hurt. It was like quarterback one, cornerback two, linebacker one, like all throughout the roster. That is that is the NFL. My question is, are we giving Mike McCarthy a pass on this? Maybe we'll start with David here. Or do you think that David, his job might be in jeopardy heading into the offseason?
3: Well, you, you know, it's Jerry Jones. And Jerry Jones wants to pick the players. He wants to set the table. He wants to cook the meal. And McCarthy's fine with letting him do all that, like Jason Garrett was for all those years. So, again, I don't know if Mike's a one and done because when he did have the players in there, I mean, they were battling hard and they were doing stuff and then the injuries just riddled them. And Jerry Jones hasn't gone on the market and really brought more talent in before the trade deadline. They didn't do anything to really supplement that, that, that kind of skeleton roster they already had. So I don't know if Jerry gets impatient with Mike or if he gives him another year with, uh, with the players all intact and see what he can do with it. Yeah, I think the COVID on top of Dak getting hurt on top of
0: you still owe McCarthy a lot of money, you know, tends to lead me to believe that Jerry's going to give him another year. If you're asking me personally, I mean, I would have never made the hire. Did we really think that Mike McCarthy reinvented himself and spent all this time in the film room?
2: I, I just I just thought he was better than Jason Garrett, man. I just thought he was better than Jason.
0: Now, like, I mean, I mean, what a phony, Mike McCarthy. I mean, no offense, you're a good dude, but like, I mean, you were a debacle in Green Bay there at the end. You you rode the you know the coattails of Mike Holmgren and got a you squeezed a, a Super Bowl out of it, and, and then you know you just kind of got stale there, and I didn't see. You know, it's funny because Jason Garrett got canned for his kind of lame duck play calling. Mike McCarthy has not been good. And so, you know, I don't care if it's Garrett Gilbert, (laughs) uh, Gilbert Grapes. I mean, uh, you know, Mike McCarthy's been terrible, but due to the COVID, due to the pandemic, I think it actually helps his favor of, of retaining his job for another year. And they'll be just as bad next year with or without Dak Prescott, who I don't anticipate playing next year. And I even question if he's even going to ever take another snap again.
2: And I, I mean, I don't want to speak to that. I will say in my mock draft, you know, that came out today at NFO dot this morning, they have the third overall pick right now. And I have to tell you, man, I was close to pulling a trigger on a quarterback because I don't know if I trust that front office to make that decision and bring him back to a higher degree now. They were kind of lowballing him to begin with a little bit. And now they're in a position where they might have to really pony up the dough if they're going to actually be serious about bringing him back.
0: It's going to be a win-win now because he might have other suitors, but no one's going to give him the big money coming off of that injury. So right. he's to he's going to succeed, more likely coming back, knowing, this, knowing the system a little bit there, having the experience, the comfortability, the familiarity. you know it's going to be a win-win. so you give him a, a low base contract with insane, like Cam Newton's deal in New England. you bring him back, you draft a Trey Lance who needs to sit for a year or two anyway, Let those guys duel it out. I mean, hey, you've got another Washington Redskins scenario in Dallas uh, brewing next season.
2: I don't want to see Trey Lance in a Cowboys uniform. It would make me despise him. And I, I like Trey Lance, so I don't want to despise him. David, Dak Prescott, has he seen his last day in a Dallas Cowboys uniform? What's your gut telling you right now?
3: No, I don't think he has. I think the sticking point mainly was Dak wanted a five-year contract and Jerry wanted him locked up at six. And now with the injury, I think Jerry will want five and Dak will cave on it and get a five-year deal in. And the money wasn't far off from what I understood. It was more about the length of contract, that extra year. Is right, uh, right. what they were battling over. So I think if the money was as close as they were saying, um, you know, he gets rewarded and he gets and he gets put into a position where he can be successful. Because like Rick said, he knows the he knows the offense if they're going to have any kind of success next year. Instead of scrapping it and going to a rookie, you bring in Dat and you let him roll, and hopefully that offensive line gets back together. Because I think they have three starters now on IR and done for the year. So. You know, that's, that's a major reason why those guys aren't moving the ball and moving the sticks like they used to. And the other thing, you know, when we look at this list that we have up here, you know, the Washington Redskins, I think next year will bring in maybe a GM or somebody that's familiar with Ron Rivera that can help him. And you got to look at the Panthers down the road as Marty, if Marty Herney uh, might be out at Carolina, does he move up the road and, and go work with Rivera in Washington or does Rivera go a different direction? and, uh, you know, go and get somebody uh, go and get somebody else that he knows, maybe from the Panther line, one of those guys working up in Buffalo or, um, you know, one of the other spots that they've moved on to to come work with him.
2: Is that, a, is that a rumor? I really don't even have any background on that. Is Marty Herney potentially out after this year?
3: Yeah, I mean, last year when they, they hired the coach, there was a rumor that Marty was going to be out because the coach was eventually going to, you know, come in and name his own guy. And I think through this year, that's still the it's still the anticipation as Marty's going to wind up being out, and then he's going to you know the coach is going to bring in his own guy this year.
0: It's funny because now you're starting to see this this generation of where the head coaches have an influence on who the GM is. like like uh, Kyle Shanahan brought John Lynch in, right? John Gruden brought Mike Mayhawk in, right? Now you're going to see Matt Rule is going to start bringing his people in. Even though you could tell by the draft that they just had all defense, Rule had his fingerprints all over it. But now he's going to get his evaluators, and you're going to be impressed with some of the people that are rumored to go to Carolina in that front office shakeup.
3: Well, what, well they, you know, I come from the old school where you know I was working under Ernie Accorsi and you know guys like that that were dominant GMs, and the coaches answered to them one way or another. And and the reason I like that model is just because that's the way I came up. But the focus of the GM is on the team and the organization, what's doing best for the organization, not just winning week in and week out. Because sometimes you have to make a tough call on not signing a player or not giving an extension because it's bad for the organization moving forward. When the coach is like, I need this guy to win next year, if it's going to make him happy, I might reward that guy with the money. And now the organization is struggling a year, two years down the line. And it's not that the coaches don't get the cap. They don't understand that. I just feel when I've dealt with coaches a lot, they're emotionally invested in winning and that's where they need to be emotionally invested in. And I think those conversations with conviction and a lot of uh, debate are great to get the right answer out of the room. But in the end, having a dominant general manager that has the best interest of the organization and the owner at all times with every decision-making process is something that I, I think is, is lacking. I agree with you a thousand percent, but then you know, you got the owners that are going to look at the
0: Patriots and see the Bill Belichick model, they're going to look at the Chiefs and see the Andy Reid model, and they're going to say, Well, hey, you know, uh, it's working. So I I, I agree with you wholeheartedly, but the reality is, I think as owners get younger. The GM roles get younger. The head coaches get younger. My guy Raheem Mars, who hopefully we got a chance to talk about, he was a head coach at the age of 32. People forget that. He's now 44. He's learned a lot. Why doesn't he get consideration for a second chance? I hope we get to talk about that later on. Pride of Orange, New Jersey, by the way.
2: <laughs> <laughs> got to throw in the New Jersey vibes. I think Carolina might be – a sneaky place for some movement because I, I don't know how long they're going to be able to hold on to Joe Brady as well, that offensive coordinator. I feel like he's going to be a hot head coaching candidate as early as this year. I don't know if he's going to make the one-year jump after only being an offensive coordinator for a single season on the NFL level or any level in general, right? Because he, was, he wasn't he was even the uh, the offensive coordinator at LSU. He was the passing game coordinator. He wasn't even the full-time play caller. So that that's going to be an interesting situation, conversation. We know as what we all do, David does with ANC Combines, what Rick, will we do with the NFL Draft Bible. This offseason specifically was one that was very difficult for a lot of players to get their verified measurables with everything that was shut down, COVID-related, the quarantine. It was hard times for a lot of players. Wanted to move into talking a little bit about, we know the college All-Star Games are a big measuring stick, a big opportunity for a lot of prospects to get their name out there, to get some more film, to get in front of NFL coaches and scouts we know that the pro days are another huge opportunity. David, I want to start to you though there's opportunities besides these two for these verified measurements. I know you're doing great work the ANC combines. Tell us a little bit about the opportunity to get these verified measurements and maybe why it's so important to be to be ready to get those when you can.
3: Well, when I'm talking to some of my connections in the NFL asking them what their what their problems are, how we can solve them, how we can help them, one is knowing what kids are in shape Two is knowing what their measurables are right now, current weight, current speed, current, you know, measurables. And then are they COVID tested and are they, you know, COVID free? And then what have they been up to since, you know, they got cut in training camp or before training camp to know, like, what they've been doing, you know, just to sustain their, their their lifestyle and, you know, all that stuff. So at ANC, when they come to ANC... Top performers I interview, I talk to them personally, I write reports on them to just let the NFL player association or player personnel people know what they're doing, what they're up to, or what, what they've been. Then when they run their 40s, like this last combine, we had a guy run a four two eight, four, three, four uh four, it's like, well, you know, he can run. He's in shape. He had a great workout. We had a couple good quarterbacks out there like Cookus. Um, you know, just he got cut right before the um the Giants went to camp. Because he went from 90 down to 80, he was supposed to go to camp with the Giants, and he got cut. So he came in through for us with a couple of other good players. So, you know, it was a it's a situation where if it, I like these kids that are trying to take the opportunity to build their resume and continually update it, just like the Hub, what Don Yee's doing out there. I'm sure Rick can talk a little bit more about that. But these are opportunities these kids really should be taking in order to keep their resume relevant yeah you know it's funny David
0: made me uh <laughs> fess up because we had a, a running back javonta Holloman, uh Cincinnati via what eastern Michigan eastern i think Michigan, yep yeah so you know and and he'll he'll be out at the hub this this weekend, so you know we're timing him and you know he comes across the finish line and I, I'm looking down at my stopwatch and I'm saying, Oh man, four, two, seven, Jesus. I must've been off on this one. So, you know, I usually do my 0.04 adjustment. Ah, yeah. Four, four, three, one, you know, here comes Turner four, two, seven, four, two, seven. I said, I got too." Two. He's like, you liar. You lie. Just be honest. And I had never timed somebody in the four twos, but it you know, it was legit because he did it a second time. I think at mm-hmm. the second time I had him like four two four, and it looked every bit of it. Now you know Holloman is going to be out there at the hub. The one thing we said is he runs a little bit high. You know, if he could just work on staying lower and you know just being a little bit you know tougher than finesse. I mean, here's a guy who's got explosive speed, but yeah, I mean, hey, uh, what A and C is doing, getting the measurables down. Thursday we'll be in San Diego. Um, Shane Ray, Matt Elam, a couple of former first-round picks. Brian Lewerke uh, will be out there. Devin Ross. So there's a lot of good talent out there on the streets. And who who couldn't use an edge rusher right now for the playoff stretch? I mean, Shane Ray, if he looks good, teams are going to know about it now.
2: Mm-hmm. And Shane Ray, a, a, a part of that really nice little pipeline that Missouri had going there for a while with pass rushers, talented players there. Holloman. I'm not too familiar with him, Rick. Is he a, you say he's a running back?
0: Yeah, he came out early. Uh he started at Cincinnati. He finished at Eastern Michigan, and you know, just got kind of caught in the cobwebs throughout his college career. Never f- really found the right situation or the right fit or the right opportunity. And he, you know, dipped his toes. He came out early, he got bad advice. And it happens, you know, you hate to see it, but now here he is, you know, trying to get recognized. And, you know. Just like you said, Ryan, hey, yeah, I'm not too familiar with them. There, there's, you know, scouts now that are going to be familiar with them because guys like David, guys like myself, you know, we're on location across the nation. Even in the pandemic, baby, trying to find talent, it's what we do.
2: Absolutely. And I know uh, one thing that Rick mentioned there, David, was bad advice, right? I feel like a lot of these kids are getting some bad advice. you have any recommendations for players that are making those those game, those life-changing decisions and maybe the people that they have around them when they're doing it. Doing it.
3: Well, yeah, you got to, you got to, again, try to get unbiased opinions. And, you know, if you really want to, to have somebody around you, they got, they, they better have your best interest, your best interest in, in heart, not theirs. Um, and, you know, I'll tell you this, one of the reasons I started Maverick Sports Consulting at all was to help young men make decisions like this and to prepare them for their opportunities moving forward. So, you know, we do our interview training to help them attack the the business side of the interviews. We do our film evaluations for young men to know if they should come out or should stay in. We do a lot of this kind of stuff inside of Maverick Sports Consulting to make sure we're giving them unbiased opinion because we're not getting paid by the team. We're not getting paid by, you know, your agent we will get paid by you and then you become the, the client and then we just give you the best advice we can give you. So, um, you know, when you're when you're really going into the mode of making decisions, look at the people around you, what their interest is and what they're telling you in order to make sure that they're, they have your best interest in, in mind.
2: Before we jump on some other questions, I want to remind you again, the running back position is one that was once a a coveted position with Hall of Fame backs like Gale Sayers, Jim Brown, Eric Dickerson to more modern-day running backs like Damian Tomlinson, Marshall Falk, and Marshawn Lynch. Come learn how having the right running back delivers balance to the offense no matter if they run a power run scheme or a zone blocking scheme. Register today at www.draftbible.com. Want to talk about some of the jobs that might be opening up. We talked about some of the, the spots that might be opening relatively soon or right after the season. David, a couple that we want to talk about specifically is some that we talked about, uh, I guess it was maybe three or four weeks ago at this point. The Atlanta Falcons, the Houston Texans, those, that, those jobs came open early. Those were the first two. Let's start with Atlanta. We mentioned some guys as far as, replacing Thomas Dimitrov, replacing Dan Quinn. Do you have any others that you think maybe have come to the forefront as possibilities or are there a couple that you just think that you believe in that should be heavily considered for the Atlanta job?
3: Well, I think the Atlanta job is the most will be the most pursued job because of the owner. And when you have a good owner, you know, it becomes a plum. Everybody wants to go pick that plum and be there. And this owner has shown patience. This guy has shown that he'll put money where his mouth is. Um, They have a very top-heavy scouting department. They pay the the good scouts uh, good money. So, you know, for me, I think you're going to see that one being pursued by guys like George Payton, Ed Dodds, uh, Scott Fitterer, Trent Krishner, you know, just to name a few of them. To go that are going to go in and after that, I wouldn't be surprised. Surprised if Marty Herney or might want to go there and jump ship to there or, or even Mar- uh, Marty Mayhew and, you know, Rick, far- uh, Ray Farmer would be chasing those, that job. Even Dorsey might want that job. So, you know, as far as the GMs go, those candidates, I think every one of them are going to want an interview. We'll see who gets the interview and what, what they want to do there. As far as head coaching candidates, I mean, I know Rick likes. Uh, Raheem Morris, who's there and doing a good job with him right now um, to stay in and, and maybe hold over. But I think, you know, when you look at the that mix, typically, like when Dmitriov got the job, he got to name the head coach. So I really think the owner is going to hold true to that model and not go a different way. He's going to name the GM and let the GM bring his own coach.
2: And, Rick, do you think that, this, that the Atlanta job, talking – head coaching, and general manager in general. Do you think that that is the desired landing spot, like David said, over the Houston Texans potentially?
0: No, because Deshaun Watson is a great quarterback, and that's what you need to win in the NFL. Matt Ryan is on the back nine. You, you know, I mean, you might get a year or two, so if you're coming in and rebuilding a team, you're in a tough spot because it's like, hey, I've got a borderline Hall of Famer, as some people might call him. Uh, that really can't do nothing for me because I'm going to need a year or two to turn this roster around. And by that time, you know, Matt Ryan's going to be washed up. Whereas in, in, in Houston, you've already got a franchise quarterback. So now, <laughs> you know, build around that, that's appealing to me. And I think John Dorsey would actually be a good guy in Houston because, You've got Easter Bay there to kind of be that buffer similar to the way uh Ballard was in Kansas City, you know kind of serving in that same capacity because as you as you know, Dorsey can get a bit chippy
2: <laughs>
0: right, so I think it's actually a good situation for him because you have that buffer kind of middle middleman where you know, Dorsey can just do what he does best, which is evaluate talent. And he's pretty damn good at that. And
2: right. right, David. I, I know that we're now going to kind of switch over to Houston, Rick kind of segue us perfectly into there. I would agree with him, despite the fact that there's not a lot of draft capital with the Laramie Tunsil trade, you're not working with a bunch of assets. Maybe in the first year we're talking about drafts specifically, you do have your quarterback in place. I mean, that's just such a valuable commodity Have. Um, the Houston job, let's talk about head coaching. Is there a guy that stands out to you that would, you think would be perfect? Do you think that they need to get an offensive-minded coach to go with their franchise quarterback? Or do you think that maybe a defensive-minded coach might be a good uh, kind of mesh with a guy like Deshaun Watson?
3: I think you can you know, look at the Baltimore Ravens. Both their coordinators would be good fits down there, in my opinion. You know, you got Wink Martindale, Don Martindale that could come down. He's a, you know, the defense coordinator there in Baltimore or Greg Roman. I mean, look what Greg's doing, you know, already with an athletic quarterback there in, uh, in Baltimore. And he knows what to do with it. Before that, he was in, uh, San Francisco with Kaepernick. So Greg Roman definitely would know what to do with Deshaun Watson. And he's been in the wait, waiting room long enough uh, to get a head coaching job. So that's definitely one that I would think if I'm, if I'm, Going into Houston, I'm definitely interviewing Greg Roman to come there and be the head coach.
2: And, and do you think there's a GM that in your mind fits just kind of the philosophy and culture down there in Houston as well?
3: Well, that's another thing. I don't know what the philosophy and culture is because back in the day, and when Rick Smith was the GM, it was a great landing spot. He stayed true and was honest and upfront mm-hmm. with all the scouts, and it was a great place to be. But now, I mean, you know, they brought in, um, Oh, Rick, what was that guy? They brought in for like a, a cup of coffee and then they kicked him out. Um, I was texting. Who are we talking about?
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> they
3: brought Houston. in Brian. Brian. Um, what team we talking Houston. about? Houston. Oh, uh, what, the front office? Brian Gain. Yeah. They brought in Brian Gain to be the GM, gave him like a five-year deal, and they let him stay a year and then kicked him out because he didn't get along with the coach. And so now that's what I'm saying I don't know what the culture is is it going to be coachridge or not because if you get a guy like Eric Bieniemy down there again another one who knows how to call plays and do things if you get Bieniemy down there you know you need a very patient GM cuz he, he's a patient guy you don't you can't get a fiery GM like Dorsey you know cuz I don't know if Dorsey and Bieniemy would be a good marriage but you know that's just what I'm saying it's like if if the culture is going to be head coach gets to bring who they want then you know you're going to look at you know guys that are maybe a little bit older and ready to make the move. Or if you get a, you know, again, if they, I think Ed Dodds would be a great young GM down there. personally, he's from Kingsville, Texas. He's bet. He's been building teams with the Seahawks as well as, uh you know, with what he's doing in Indianapolis right now. And he would be a guy that could come in and work with a lot of, a lot of good young coaches. And uh, Greg Roman and him know each other for, for many years. So Don Martindale and him know each other many years. So, you know, that could be a, a very easy marriage right there.
2: Find your, find a woman that loves you as much as David loves Ed Dodds. That is the, like the hundredth time I've heard you mention him at this point. That's funny, though. I, I like it. Um, Want to move on to some college football stuff here. Well, can I uh, throw a name
0: out there just real quick? Yeah, let's hear it. Yeah. Sean, Sean Gleason is a guy I think that is going to be a head coach. I don't know if it's this year. Uh, but you, you take a look at this young man's track record. You talk about uh, Eric Bieniemy and Joe Brady. And then go look at what Sean Gleason has done uh, during his time uh, at Del Barton High School to Fairleigh Dickinson to Princeton, what he did there with the quarterbacks and, and, and Chad Knuff and, and, and John Lovett, two different, completely different style of offenses that he adapted to. Then he goes to Oklahoma State and has one of the most uh, prolific offenses there. And he's back at Rutgers, and eventually this guy's going to be a head coach. There's no doubt in my mind about it. And so if I could link up Sean Gleason with Deshaun Watson and John Dorsey, there's my Houston Texans dream team.
2: Mm. All right, so we got a little bit of a under-the-radar pick there from Rick Saratella. Rick, the most important question you're probably going to answer this tonight. Okay, I haven't talked to you about this yet. How about them Irish, baby?
0: hey luck of the irish i mean hey i I love every excuse in america to be irish for a day and so (laughs) so we celebrated (laughs) like hey we put the dukes up man we were like hey fighting irish let's go baby but hey we talked about it on the state of football this morning like if you're the cod football playoff committee like, can we just end the season right now? You've got, uh, I think, Alabama 1, Notre Dame 2, Ohio State 3, and Clemson 4. Like, there you go,
2: That's college great. football That's playoff great. committee dream. Yeah, we don't we don't need to see the Florida Gators. Leave them at number 5 in their terrible defense. Right, David?
3: No, the Gators need to come up <laughs> over the Irish. I'm tired of watching Brian Kelly blow it.
2: Blow it. He, he's undefeated, David. Give him some credit, man. He tried, hey, he tried to blow it in the
3: third quarter there. He tried to, but the team just wouldn't let him do it to him.
2: It's all right, man. John Murphy told you, man, 27-year anniversary, 45-year anniversary, of Rudy. It was going to happen, man. It was going to happen. Perfect segue to college football, though, because we're more than halfway through the season now. So we want to kind of take a step back and talk about some surprises of this season so far. I... I know a, a couple of Notre Dame players are going to be mentioned by me or maybe the whole team in general. But David, let's start with you here for your surprise team of the college football season so far. And that could be a that could be a negative thing, too. It's not just positive, like, oh man, they they had no expectations. Now they're great. Maybe you had a lot of expectations and they are so up to you.
3: Well, you know, I'm gonna take Liberty. Liberty, you know, is a team that I would not have guessed would be in the position they're in right now. And last weekend, I was like, they're not going to beat Virginia Tech. I was like, there's no way they're beating Virginia. And they came out and that quarterback.
2: Wow. Yep. yep.
3: Wow. I mean, he really is something over there at Liberty. And that team beat Virginia Tech. And they are making a nice little run at things, you know, right now for this little program that nobody's ever heard of. No one's probably even paying attention to. But, I mean, for me, I really, I enjoyed watching that game last week and I, I enjoy the stories that came out of it. And like you said, Malik Willis is, is really taking the opportunity from transferring to, uh, from Auburn down there to Liberty and now playing. He's, you know, he's he's. Lead, I think he's leading the team with rushing and passing yards. It's like he's thrown to himself. He's he's throwing, he's catching, he's running with the ball all in one play. Right. <laughs> and so it's it's a lot of fun. And I just want to give them a little credit for this because I know you guys are going to pick some of the other teams. But as a team, I'm going to give a little a little out of boy to Liberty.
2: I love it, man. Malik Willis, like you said, Auburn transfer. He's been doing an incredible job. They have a talented quarterback room in general. They also have Chris Ferguson, the main transfer, as the backup quarterback over there. So. Pretty talented team for sure. Um, The Liberty Flames, Hugh Freeze, doing some nice work down there with Liberty. Uh, Rick, I have to believe, man, I I mean, Malik Willis was not on my radar, but he's got to be getting some headway in in NFL draft circles, man. He looks like a legit dual threat who can sling that football a little bit.
0: No doubt. He's got all the traits and characteristics you look for in the modern-day NFL offense, so he's no doubt on the NFL radar. and, and, And remember the Silver Surfer? Freeze him! (laughs) <laughs> Hugh Freeze baby I mean he's back on the P5 radar uh you know I think this man is, is you know he's up in the, in the in the press box he's he's calling plays from the, the from the hospital bed like this guy it's like unbelievable what he's doing over there at Liberty I, I mean my team I don't think there's even a question about it though I mean the the Chanteliers Coastal Carolina. Are you kidding me? Undefeated 15th in the nation. And and we joke about it on the morning show. Like John Murphy always says, like, I I always Google Chancellor. I still don't know what it is. I just looked it up. I I think it's a it's a rooster, right? No, it's not just a rooster. It's not (laughs) just a red rooster. Right, It is a it is a fierce rooster who dominates the barnyard. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> I just looked it up just now. It's a fierce rooster that <laughs> dominates the barnyard. And, and so for that reason, it's Coastal Carolina. Tyron Jackson, when he gets inducted, it hazed as a rookie into the NFL rookie minicamp, they're going to have a red rooster wig for him to wear. <laughs> it's, a, it's not just a rooster; it's a fierce
2: rooster who dominates the barnyard. He's the backyard bully. Oh man, you you know you know those little fisticuffs you got going with the fighting iris I'm just thinking about a chicken now doing that. You know, getting it going a little
3: bit. A little Foghorn Leghorn like this, just, just right, putting exactly. the dudes up.
0: Who's the Looney yep. Tunes rooster?
3: Foghorn Leghorn. There you go
2: that's it, the yep. you got it. <laughs> <laughs> hey shout out to the chanticleers because they have a couple prospects like you said teron jackson cj brewer at defensive tackle cj Marrable, and they have a freshman quarterback named Grayson mccall who is very talented that i definitely have my eyes on i think he's a redshirt freshman if i have that correct maribel's so,
0: been a little disappointing step your game up son
2: yeah yeah not great not great he's um his yard per carry is very down right now. They have a tight end too that's pretty talented as well. That defense though is playing on an absurd level right now. That defensive line has a couple NFLers uh, in my opinion. My surprise team though, I guess I have to throw out BYU right. Like I didn't, I don't think anybody thought that BYU would be sitting there undefeated right now. The rise of Zach Wilson, who went tenth in my latest mock draft to the to the Carolina Panthers.
0: He finally came around. Damn. No, no, uh, he
2: finally okay. came around. No, 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 no. David, Damn. Go, read the, go read the description that I wrote in there. Okay, I am not a believer. I literally said I don't. Believe you put him, him in your top ten. You, you put him, him in, in your top ten. It. You must be buying
0: something if he's in okay. your top ten. You're believing in something.
2: I'm buying that there's going to be a fourth quarterback in that top ten with how many quarterback needy teams are. All. That's all I'm buying into. David. With that That's limited arm
3: strength, right there's no way he's top ten.
2: Oh, oh! Is this David for for the listening audience? There might be a lot of Zach Wilson fans out there right now, man. If you're live with us right now on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube, you might be very sacrilegious right now, my friends.
3: Hey, you can come at me any which way. I've seen that kid since he was a freshman, and his arm strength has not gotten any better. You watch how many how many balls of his die at 35 yards. And the the receivers are having to adjust backwards or wait on the ball to get there. He doesn't have that rocket arm that you're going to try to look for in the top 10. Not Like I said, I'm not trying to kill the kid. I mean, Drew Brees went the first pick in the second round. There's no disrespect if you go late first round, early second round, and you can have a a Hall of Fame career like Brees did, okay? Not saying that. I mean, Dak Prescott was a fourth rounder. Brady's a sixth rounder. We all know the stories. So, I mean, you can have a really good career without going top 10. I just don't think he's a top 10 talent because he doesn't have the arm strength that a top 10 quarterback should have.
2: It it was just the fit, David. It was the Carolina Panthers with that West Coast verbiage. It just made so much sense. It fits, man. It just fits. I don't know. It just fit. I was just like, it makes sense. I think, you know, Teddy Bridgewater's not the long term answer. Like, I think that that Teddy makes B's a lot of playing sense. like
3: a saint, though. That mother. Uh, he's playing so good right now. You want to now. talk about,
2: but well, you're talking about arm strength. You want to talk about limitations. Teddy Bridgewater puts limitations on your football team. I don't, I, I will argue with anybody till the sun comes up on that one.
3: Now. No, he's not a vertical stretch guy at all. Not at all.
2: All right. All right. We agree on something. I also want to throw a shout out to Notre Dame, of course. Undefeated, Fighting Irish, number two in the country. If you would have told me that before the season started, I would have called you a liar. And I'm a Notre Dame fan. So, um, at, shout out, man, Ian Book, not a huge fan. Brian Kelly, not a huge fan, but hey, your boy. First time the number one team in the since 1993. So give the guy. Tell a friend it's them again. <laughs> <laughs> Tell your
0: friend it's Phil Jerkovic knocking on your door. <laughs> not this week. Not this week. Don't get me started Wait, already, man. No, I let me tell you something, week. though. If I'll Boston College wins this weekend, mm-hmm. etch his name right in the history book, right next to Doug Flutie. Doug Flutie, Phil Djurkovic,
2: right there. Just right <laughs> Glenn, Foley. Glenn Foley, another New Jersey guy. We'll Foley, his name in there is, Oh, my God. Wouldn't the yeah. Jets die to have a quarterback as good as
0: Glenn Foley right now?
2: <laughs> oh, don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> don't say that it's 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 out it's honestly hurting my head though knowing that we have to face phil dracovic this week it was so funny i quick tangent brian kelly um on his press conference yesterday was like he was talking about the clemson quarterback situation right he's like oh we got this dj ue and we got trevor lawrence and wow wouldn't i kill to be in that situation i'm like oh yeah yeah you mean you want you want a 6'4 plus 220 plus pound quarterback with a rocket arm and he's like, come on, man!
0: Ryan knows deep down in his gut what's about to happen this weekend. He knows yeah. what's coming. Oh yeah, he knows.
2: He knows what's on the horizon. No, no. is Usually, it is it is it in Chestnut Hill by any chance? I'm actually not sure. I don't think so because they were just at home. So I'm. going okay. no. I think. Because I you know what be. Snoop
0: Dogg says: you never want chest nuts
3: on your chest. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know when he said that. You got to go chapter and verse on me in the Bible I think, there. I don't I know where that. you got that one from. You
2: never I, heard that one? Okay. I, I think Rick's sipping on some gin and juice. That's all I think that's happening He's right got that
3: jangaree and go
2: we'll play it right. back. Yeah, yeah. Believe me,
0: those listening <laughs> audience at home know what I'm talking about.
2: Uh, <laughs> if, you have, if you have any idea what Rick's talking about, send us a comment in there right now. Yes, please it? do. All my,
0: 1993, all my 1993 party people Yes, I know you're out there.
3: <laughs> no, they're already tucked in, and they went nine nine already.
2: <laughs> <All right. laughs> Rick, Rick, send us an um. Give it. Give us a a player that has impressed you this this um, year. After you take another set, all right.
0: <laughs> a player in college football that has impressed me. I mean, is, 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 I is, it, it. is it anybody other than Kyle Trask? I Ooh. mean. That's what um, I mean, we go. There no, we go. I mean seriously, we're at the point now where Joe Burrow was a year ago, where you're trying to find out is it fact or fiction, is it real or mirage? Because I'm starting to hear now that it could be real, and so like when you take a look at a guy like Trey Lance, who's a one year starter. Oh, by the way, I would be scared out of my mind to take Trey Lance in the first round because. You know, Dwayne Haskins was about as big of a miss, <laughs> a big of a swing and a miss the NFL draft Bible has ever had. And these one year starters at the collegiate level, they just scare the heck out of me now. Because, you know, it, it's just scary. Because it, it, history tells us these guys just aren't ready for the next level. So to me, I, I'm starting to think that there could be a team out there when it's all said and done. That values a Kyle Trask more than a Trey Lance, and I think you know, I I haven't seen a guy improve that. Maybe Zach Wilson, right? And you know, we talked about it on the State of Football. I think the Johnny Manziel comparison is, is is you know kind of true for Zach Wilson. He
2: might be is better. Is that better. good though? Is that good though? Well, is I that, think I think Zach's better.
1: You I know? think Zach
0: is better. I do. Yeah. And I think that, is it good, Ryan? Well, it, if you have a, a, a philosophy like the Arizona Cardinals that are all in on it and they're going to build their team around that kind of style, so if you link them up with the right coach now, Johnny Manziel, it was between the ears with that guy. I don't know Zach Wilson well enough. David could turn, talk more to that than, than I can. I don't, I, I've never spoken to the young man. I don't know what's between the ears, but – you know, I, I think if you link it like your mock draft, Joe Brady,
2: Zach Wilson, that could work. It makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah. No, I, I like that.
3: With, with uh, Brady more than I like Wilson.
2: Ah, man, I'm having such a hard time with Cal Trask. I really am. Like, I have just been repeated. Like, I'm You're not, not a even busting your ball. No, i I'm not you hate the whole buy state of Florida. It.
3: You hate on the U. You hate on the Gators. You hate on the Seminoles. Uh, you're a hater. The whole state of Florida might as well not show I up know, to Ryan man. Roberts because he's a hater. He's a hater there's on just,
2: the state of Florida. There's something about trust that just doesn't you got stand a big old like glass that. of haterade. <laughs> don't That's fine. That's fine. But, Rick, you know, you know, honestly though, you know who he reminds me of, and I don't think this is a negative, even though David took it as a negative. I compare him to Nick Foles, and I don't think that's a bad comparison. I don't. Think that's a bad comparison. No, oh, that's here we go. A that's a compliment. That a
3: compliment. No, it's
2: not. That's not bad. he out of a come on, solid son. Come on, come, on, come on, son.
3: Yeah, no, I see Kyle Trask to me is a is a guy who would fit what you what you're
2: seeing. He's actually like Denver. a Kirk
3: Cousins type of guy.
0: Nah,
2: I don't
3: know. Is
0: that good? Maybe is
2: that good? Maybe. I don't know. Like we're, we're just I don't know. I don't know. I feel like everyone's gonna be all over the place on a guy like Kyle Trask. How about Mac Jones? Are you buying into Mac Jones at all?
0: He throws a beautiful deep ball, but I mean he he's, he
2: he's got a he's got
0: a su- such a great talented supporting cast. I'm always skeptical of those Alabama quarterbacks, though. I, I just don't know. Uh, I think Tua might be against the grain. We'll see, but traditionally, those Alabama quarterbacks, eh, good, cor- good, good college quarterbacks, but
2: yeah, Tua so uh, looked good this past weekend, though. So hopefully, he's well, listen, I, I could,
0: I could throw for three hundred every week. You give me those Alabama wide receivers, I could.
2: I wanna see that
3: actually. I want I want that to happen. I'll take that action. I'll take that action. No, but Mac Jones, I like Mac Jones to be like a solid second round pick. You know, be honest with you. I think he could be a second round pick to a team that needs a backup. Um sees this guy and what he like again, he has a great vertical uh ball. So if you're looking at a team like maybe the Raiders or something, to have a really solid backup there with Mac being in the in the mix and uh pushing um pushing the head guy the top guy there, you know, uh car that would be a good mix to me right there. That'd be a good landing spot for a guy like Mac. Yeah. I don't think, <clears throat> I don't think
0: anybody's taking Mac Jones with the intent that this is going to be the guy we hand the keys to the Cadillac. To.
2: I, I agree. I agree. But I, I I'm starting to see it now. The whispers first round pick Mac Jones. I cannot get there in any sense. Like I, I'm David. I'm like, I'm similar. Uh, I'm so sim- I'm similar to you, David. Like, somewhere on day 2 that's that's a spot i think
3: yeah I mean, and for me like spot. what rick said i learned early in my career Pat, uh, bill walsh used to say if you got a one year starter you got to look backwards and see why he was a one year starter if the if the person in front of him was an all pro type player a top draft pick you know priest holmes ricky williams type situation now you know why that guy was number one right if you had like the mcgahey gore situation down there and and you know in miami you know with all the running backs now yeah then you got you got a whole bunch of backs right yeah so then then you understand the situation (laughs) but if you're if the guy in front of you you couldn't beat out and you're not that and again you're you know, that guy wasn't that good. Well, that tells you a little something about, you know, what the, what fighting that dog looks like. So, you know, for me, I don't like quarterbacks that are one year starters. Like last year, like I said, Burrow was a, would have been really hard for me, even though it made the most sense for Cincinnati to take him. And I think this year he's showing that he's a great young talent. It still would have been hard for me because he was a one year starter and he had an incredible starting cast around him. Like Ray was just was saying serious? about Matt. What It was two years, but it was a one-year wonder.
0: He just kind of catapulted. Yeah, the first year at LSU, it was kind of like just mediocre where you thought like, you know, I I thought like, all right, well, Danny Etling got drafted, right? And Joe Burrow's a little bit better than Danny Etling, so I thought, hey, maybe he could be a day three guy, but nobody expected him to catapult
3: into that first round. Nobody nobody saw a first-round
0: pick, never mind a first
3: overall pick. Right. Right. We barely knew his name until this time last year. Then we were like, Oh, who's his burrow kid? And, but again, like Rick just said about Mac, I mean, you gave me that LSU team last year and we could have thrown for 400 yards. I mean, with the back out of the backfield taking it 70 yards every time he touched it. So, you know, um it, it's just a situation where you you have this talented team stacked around him. Max got the same thing around him. You know, I think when you look at these people, Kyle Trask has, you know, a really good team around him. Not the best, but a good team around him. Um, you know, Zach Wilson might be the one that doesn't have the best team around him. He's got some good players at BYU, and you know, he got some good players, but he might not have as talented as a Trask, Jones, you know, those guys right now.
2: Mm-hmm. And I want to throw my, uh, my for my surprise player for the year, I want to throw in who has been the best offensive player for Notre Dame. No, I'm not talking about Ian Book this year. I'm talking about Mr. Kyron Williams, running back, true sophomore. He's a future NFL. Absolutely. He was the best running back on that stage the other night. Talking about Travis Etienne on the other side of the field on him. But we're talking about Kyron Williams with a 75 yard touchdown to be in the game, 140 plus yards on the day against Clemson against a defense that only allows less than 100 yards a game. Also had three touchdowns, including the game winner in overtime. David, let me hear from you. Who is your surprise player from the season?
3: Well, again, I, I, I'm a guy that's going to go with Trask. I didn't know him before the season. I watched the first game. You know, my buddy, uh, Will Homer's down there doing personnel for them now. So I just tuned in to see what they got and what it looked like to give him a little feedback. And all of a sudden, I just, I love Kyle Trask's feet in the pocket. I love how he climbs up, hitches up to make the, make the throws, you know, Lesser of a throw. He works the pocket really well. He's got great field vision. He doesn't throw into traffic. He makes really good decisions. And then players like Tony and Pitts around him just accentuate him. And that center they got there, like I said, I think he's a really good center. So, but Kyle Trask to me is is one that I was surprised with, you know, heading into this season.
2: Okay. And last one we want to talk about. We got to talk about some coaches, man. I'm going to throw a shout out to University Arkansas. Who would have thought, man? They're a pretty competitive football team. Sam Pittman, now the head coach over there at Arkansas, has got that Arkansas blood in him, and he has been playing pretty good football. You want to talk about a quarterback that maybe has been better than advertised? Felipe Franks, man, he's playing okay football. I don't think he's an NFL guy. I mean, like, he's an NFL guy. He's going to be a backup, but I don't think that he's going to transcend into anything more than, you know, a quality backup at the next level. But hey, Arkansas is playing some good football. Sam Pittman's doing a good job. Rick, you on board with Sam Pittman, man, or you got somebody else for me?
0: For a surprise player? Surprise coach. Surprise coach?
3: Oh, he's yeah. going to go with his boy, Freeze. He just talked about him. He loves that guy. He- well, yeah, about freeze, yeah, Freeze yeah. was
0: a guy. I, w- I was hoping to go surprise player was going to be Deuce Vaughn from Kansas State, but surprise coach – you know, I, yeah, I think I would throw Hughes free, Hugh Freeze in there. I, 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 how about a this for a surprise coach, Jim Harbaugh? What a terrible job. I mean, <laughs> yeah, terrible the way there. Yep. It's yep. terrible. I yep. mean, uh, I, I think he'll be out by the end of the year. I really do. I, I just think that it's a been a debacle. You can't beat Michigan, you can't beat top 10 ranked opponents. Uh, Quite frankly, you offered uh eighteen, you know, you lost eighteen of of the recruits you offered, you lost to Ohio State. You're getting murdered. You're getting murdered by Ryan O'Day. <laughs> that's ugly. So I, I would say, hey, that's that that that's my surprise, Coach. I, I think I think Jim Harbaugh needs to give up the college scene. I think that kind of that act has kind of wore thin, almost like a Chip Kelly, where You know, 10, 15 years ago, (laughs) it was great at Oregon. It was, you know, Harbaugh, it was all good at Stanford, baby. (laughs) But it's a different kind of era. It's a different kind of player. And I just don't think uh, guys like Jim Harbaugh, as quirky and and as cool as he could be and some of the cool things that he's done, I just think at the end of the day, his style grinds on players and it's just not going to work at the collegiate level.
2: It's a little bit of fool's gold, I think, too. After beating Minnesota in the first game, I was like, ah, maybe, maybe they're uh, maybe they're turning a the corner here. And then they get shellacked by Michigan State, who lost to Rutgers. And then last week, uh, Michigan State lost forty-nine to seven or something like that. It was a it was a terrible game. So, yep, Jim Harbaugh not looking too great right now. I'd like the Deuce Vaughn pick though. Deuce Vaughn is an electric little player from Kansas State, so he is a whole lot of fun. So David Turner, I apologize phone. if
0: if I talk too long. He's telling us we have to. Skip no, you're good. <laughs> no, I,
3: I like. The, I was just like, we got these questions. We gotta, we gotta move it along. We're good here, but we just gotta move it along a little bit. But again, I like the coach there at K State. What he, because what he inherited wasn't like the most depth and um and he's doing the most with it like he he did not have a, a cover full of players but what he's doing with it is a lot and chris is doing a great job there you know and he's doing great recruiting getting it getting the cover built back up and that's a that's a story program that i can't wait to rise back up and chris is doing a great job there so that's why want to give him a little kudos tonight
2: Yep, doing it with a backup quarterback now, Will Howard, in for Skylar Thompson, who's out uh, for, I believe, the majority of the season now with a wrist injury, if I remember correctly. Shout-out to Bry, Yeah, out for the year. Briley Moore, shout-out for their Northern, former Northern Iowa tight end, who's really doing a great job over there at Kansas State as a grad transfer. I think he's the second-leading receiver on the team right now. So, shout-out to Briley. Want to move in – actually, I didn't get my pick because I'm trying to move a little too fast. Coach. Gotta be surprised, Coach of the Year. Well, actually no, I did. I did. Sam Pittman, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah We're good. We're good. We're good. Sorry. Dave, David talks too much. I'll okay. <laughs> go. My, got, my, got my water, my math. Sports take. Wonderful, wonderful glass. So, last topic we want before we hit into the pickums. We're gonna talk about some top fives here, top five draft prospects so far for the 2021 draft. I know David just got heavy into it. I'm gonna give my list real quick. We're gonna buzz through this one. Guys, that we've watched. So far, this, so this is not, this is not uh, with the, um, what am I, what am I, posi- like, this is, this is not, um, uh, I can't think right now. This is, the, I'm not bumping up every quarterback just because they're a quarterback And this. I, I don't know what the word is for that. The value, positional value, positional value, positional value was what I was looking for there. So positional value is not in here. This is a raw film grade players that I thought were the best five that I saw in film so far. A Soul, Oregon, offensive tackle. Best player I've watched, in my opinion, so far in 2021. Trevor Lawrence, the Golden Boy, quarterback out of Clemson. Micah Parsons, linebacker from Penn State. Jamar Chase, wide receiver from LSU. Wonderful football player who opted out of the season. And Trey Smith, offensive guard from Tennessee. I've been on board that this guy is, and again, not positional value, is not into this conversation for me. Trey Smith is one of the most dominant football players I've watched on film. And obviously he has the issues with recurring blood clots in his lungs. So who knows what's going to shake out with those issues. And he's a guard, so he's probably not going to go in the top 10. But he's a dominant football player um, nonetheless. So those are my top five. David, let me hear your top five.
3: Well, see, I like Sewell, but I like uh, Fields, Micah Parsons, Chase as well. And then uh, Trevor Lawrence. So I I take the Trey Smith out just because of the medical stuff. And I put in Fields there because I think Fields, when I watch that young man play being at 6'3", and I think he's 230, 225, Mm -hmm. 230-ish, he's he's really an impressive quarterback. I think that's one that we'll talk more about as we get closer to the draft.
2: Absolutely. He's definitely closed the gap on Trevor Lawrence for the least. Rick, let me hear your top five players that you've watched so far in the 2021 NFL draft cycle.
0: I, I think Trevor Lawrence, Penay Sewell, and Jamar Chase are the consensus three. You know, I I like Micah Parsons. I think that, however, I, I've come around on Nick Bolton. I think just from yes. a football player. Yes.
2: Yes. I've come
0: around now, and I think that Bolton might actually be better than Parsons. So uh Ooh, there's I, uh put think- I'm just saying, I think just from a pure football talent standpoint. If you give me a guy and I got to choose one, (laughs) I don't know if I cannot choose Nick Bolton. And then, uh, you know, number five, I I mean, I want to go Kyle Pitts, but I'd probably have to throw uh, Devonta Smith in there.
2: Wow, really? Really? You're that high on Devonta? I I
0: am. I think that uh, what you're hearing now is that you know, he could be a, a top ten selection and he could even challenge Jamar Chase, I think, to be the first wide receiver off the board.
2: Wow. Wow. Well, I'm happy that you came around on on Nick Bolton, man. For a I, while did. Other, I was I was the only one holding the torch for that guy. I was like, I don't care if he's five eleven in three fourths or whatever he is, bro. He's I think so he I think way. he goes
0: in the top half of the first round.
2: I think so, too. I, I think I put him in there on my mock draft. Maybe I had him in, like, the 20s. I forget, but I, I think... Well, you're, low.
0: you're low on Nick Bolton, I see.
2: Oh, I'm a,
1: no,
2: no, no. He's high on
3: Zach. He's low on Bolton.
2: I think I had him top 20. I'm trying to remember exactly where We I got, got him, Ryan Stutter now. You yeah, know, we, we, got uh, him uh, we got him on the run. <laughs> you, you know, I, I did say on the podcast, so last week, I'm at Believe in Info Draft Prospect Podcast. I said that... I, I assume that that was a hot take at the time. I was like, "Dude, Nick Bolton is such a better football player than Dylan Moses. Like, it's not even a conversation, in my opinion."
0: Well, that's a rough injury to rebound from. So, you know, yeah. I, I would imagine, like, kind of like uh, Dalvin Cook, you saw him. He wasn't really that good last year, but now this year, two years removed from that kind of injury, he's lights out. So, I think you know, you're 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 projecting the upside there, what he can be. Um, but no, I agree with you. Yeah, hey, I, I'm a bit. I'm, I guess I'm now driving the 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 Nick Bolton bus. I guess I'm I'm
2: the bus driver. No, I'm driving. You're like in the back seat, right? bro. You got him in yeah. your twenty,
0: your top twenty.
2: No, I just put him in my top five. I put him in my top five. You got him in your top you're, twenty. <laughs> you're late to the party, Rick. It doesn't even count. What are you talking about right now? Get out of here. All right, we're, we're gonna move on to the pickups here. Before we do, we appreciate you for tuning in to Mav Sports Take tonight. What would you be able to accomplish if you were to attract your ideal client, next opportunity, or your ideal position? Maverick Sports Consulting can coach you on how to use your social media to attract your ideal client if you're an agent. Your next opportunity if you're an athlete or your ideal position if you're a coach. Do you have a self-branding strategy? Are you all efforts aligned to accomplish that strategy? Don't be intimidated. You can accomplish everything you're setting out to do. You just need a little coaching, and Maverick Sports Consulting is your expert coach to get you to your goals. Check out mavericksportsconsulting.com for more information. Quick pickups. Quick pickups. I want to get to these mailbags. We're already at an hour. We're, we're, you know, Rick is being super silly tonight. So, NFL pickups to start. Let me get a quick reaction here. We'll go around the board. David. Oh,
3: he truly is the bus driver. He just rolled right over Rick.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I usually throw David under the bus, but Rick's the uh, guest tonight. So, Indianapolis Colts taking on the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee favored by two points over under 48 and a half. David, who are you picking in this one?
3: Well, you know, I've been on the Colts for a while, but they're, they are up and down. I mean, geez, they are streaky here. So, I am, you know, for me, I like what the Colts have going. I just don't know if Rivers has enough, more, enough in the tank right now because – I'm seeing like just a streaky team one week they're beating people 42 to something. And then next week they're losing. So, you know, for me, I think my pick is going to be Indy at this point and it's going to be the under, but I'm picking that hesitantly. Cause I'm not sure if, if they're really going to pull this one out, Tennessee's still got that dominant run game and, and that could beat the beat them into submission.
2: You, you know, one player that I was really wrong about, and I'm going to, I'm going to admit to this right now. Ryan Tannehill is a good quarterback. I was wrong about it. When they when they pointed up the dough for him in the offseason, I was like, I don't know. I think it's a one, it's kind of a one-year wonder. It's a little bit of a it, it's a facade to a degree, but I will give him credit. He looks like he's the real deal. I'm not going to pick Phillip Rivers here just because I love Phillip Rivers. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks over the last, you know, 15 years or so. But it's just not there, man. He's just he's cooked. He's cooked. So I'm going to take Tennessee to cover here. That two points. Over-under, I'm going to go under because I do think it's going to be a little bit of a low-scoring game just because Indianapolis does have a good defense. I don't think that this is going to be any any type of shootout. Rick, what are you
0: thinking? 27-17, the Titans. I love you, Chris Ballard, but the, the Colts are <laughs> wanksters right now. Derrick Henry just wears them down, takes them down. It's not even <laughs> close.
2: All right, yep. I think me and Rick are on the similar wavelength there. We got Buffalo, Arizona here. I cannot find a line or an over-under on this, so let's just make it a pick them for now. Buffalo, Arizona. I'm picking Buffalo because I don't believe in Arizona. I just don't, I don't, Rick. I'm gonna tell you this. I don't believe in them. I just don't. I don't. Are you are you picking Arizona this week? You think so? Is that your pick?
0: Just like hey, just like when uh they beat the Seahawks, we're still not making Turner a believer. Now they're gonna beat the Bills. <laughs> And, and Ryan will come back on here next week and say, oh, well, I'm still not buying in, but Ryan Tannehill's so good. <laughs>
3: okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we got one Buffalo, one Arizona pick. I'm going with Buffalo because I'm not an Arizona guy. You already know yeah. that, Rick, and therefore I'm going Buffalo. I'm thinking what they got cooking up there. I'm going to come back next week just to rub it in. <laughs>
2: But, David, you literally are an Arizona guy. <laughs> I live in Arizona. I'm Arizona
3: <laughs> I do live in Arizona, right? I literally – I could walk to the facility from my you house. You literally
2: right. are an Arizona guy. You have an Arizona uh, – you have an Arizona license plate, for crying out loud. I but, do. This right. is true. We got two Buffalo. We got one Arizona for that. We're going to see when Rick's wrong next week. He's, he's always invited back, Rick. So next week we'll come on and discuss their loss with us. Los Angeles Rams – one and a half point favorites over the Seattle Seahawks could not find an over-under in this game, but the Rams are favorite one and a half at home. I'm going to start this one because I have the biased opinion. taking the LA Rams. They've been a little disappointed to me over the last couple weeks. Seattle's defense is awful, though. I think LA gets it right at home. Rick, what do you got?
0: Yes, you're exactly right, Ryan, because uh, St. Louis or the Ram LA sees what's ahead of them, and that is if we win and – The Arizona Cardinals beat the Buffalo Bills. Now you have a sudden three-way tie at the top of the NFC West. All three teams will be 6-3 and at the end of the weekend.
1: I love it.
2: David, David, what's your pick?
3: Oh, Seahawks, baby. Seahawks are going to get it done. It's going to be a close game. And the Seahawks are going to edge it out. Edge it out. Get greedy.
2: David hates defense. Every team he loves—the Florida Gators, the Seattle Seahawks—not one of them play defense. Zero defense. I thought you were—I thought you were a traditionalist, David.
3: I love defense, baby. I love it all day long. But in in this situation, I—you know what? I think the Rams have a good defense, not a solid defense. There's some gaps in being there. played in America. Let's be
0: honest, in the not NFL in college, or college, college football. football. Not in college football. That's you know what's true. amazing? There's only two teams in the league. Real quick here, two teams in the entire league that are holding opponents under 300 total yards of offense. Unbelievable. But I think the Rams are one of them,
2: aren't they? aren't they? Aren't the Rams? Rams, the and, Colts. Rams yeah, and Colts. Yeah, there it is. Absolutely. So Rams eked that one out for me. David's, of course, going against the defense again. Cincinnati Bengals, Pittsburgh Steelers. Big Ben is in the COVID protocol right now, David. Is that How much does that swing your opinion on this game, whether, whether Big Ben plays or not? Cincinnati, they got a shot with Joey B.?
3: I think Cincinnati's got a good shot with Joey B with, 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 uh, with, uh, Big Ben out, you know, but I, again, I think the Pittsburgh defense here is loaded up. Dupree and them coming hard and they're going to make, you know, this is a defense that's going to win this game. Cincinnati doesn't have much of a defense. Even, you know, Burrow, I'm so impressed with him. I can't even say it. I think he's going to be a quarterback of the future. We're going to be talking about for the next 10 years if he doesn't get hurt. Uh, this is a good quarterback, good player. But in this weekend's game, I think Pittsburgh's defense wins it for him.
2: I think we just saw a chink in the armor with, with Pittsburgh. I'm taking Cincinnati on the upset this week. Oh, all right. I guess Rick doesn't agree. Rick doesn't agree. Let's hear it, Rick.
0: No, I mean, Mercury, Morris, and the boys keep the champagne on ice. Pittsburgh is going to steamroll here and keep that Steam undefeated streak going. Yeah, absolutely. Steamroll.
2: What, what what um what constitutes a steamroll? Is that like 20 points, 10 uh, points? I, I,
0: I'm envisioning like 38 to 3.
3: Wow. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. 38 oh, wait, to 3 five, without 20.
0: Big Ben or with Big Ben? I think Chase Claypool is going to have about three touchdowns and Cincinnati will have zero.
3: Wow. Oh, wow. Save we that are, for the archives. Like that one down. <laughs>
2: Mapletron. Mapletron. Right? He's a Golden Domer, so I, I'm not going to hate on it too much. Moving over to the college football games. We have the winless battle in the Big Ten. This, this college football slate is awful, by the way. There's no game that has two top 25 teams playing each other. We have the winless Penn State Nittany Lions taking on the winless Nebraska Cornhuskers. Wow, what how the money have fallen in those two programs uh, right now. Three-and-a-half-point favorites going to Penn State over under set at 56. Oh, this is a hard one for me. I, because I want to start this one. I, man, I can't bet on Penn State right now. I know Nebraska's not good either, but I think I'm going to take Nebraska here. I really do. I really do. Penn State, that quarterback, Sean Cliff, is awful. Awesome.
3: You tried to take Nebraska week one and they lost. Now, I'm gonna, no, now you're trying no. to take them. I said
2: they were going to cover. I did not pick them to win.
3: <laughs> you the picked, them to win.
2: No, you picked them to win.
3: No, I didn't. You picked them to win. And Ohio State, State smart.
2: Roll it back, David. Show, show me I where I said Feel free to bring that, that back.
3: It. I saw, I Hold heard on, you. On. All
2: right, well, uh, let's go to Rick because Rick, Rick was there. Rick, tell, tell him that David's saying lies right now.
3: Well, I will tell you this.
0: Uh, Penn State does have enough talent on the defensive side of the ball to pull this one out, so I'm going to go the Nittany Lions. I like Scott Frost. I just don't like the roster, and Adrian Martinez is going to be in for a long day.
2: I, yeah, I, agree, Luke, with go I agree with Rick on that. I agree with Rick. McCaffrey. That's all they need.
3: Oh, geez. <laughs> all
2: right, so David, you're you're picking Penn State as well? Yeah, you? I'm
3: picking Penn State yeah. as well.
2: All right. Uh, I, I, I don't think I would cover that. Well, actually, we made a rule, Rick, a few weeks ago. In every college football game, I'm going to pick the over this year. I'm just it's, it's what I'm going to do. <laughs> it's a solid point. <laughs>
3: Especially in college it's football. Point.
2: It's a solid point. We have the uh, well-rested Wisconsin Badgers, fresh off their COVID scares. Four-point favorites over the Michigan Wolverines. 54-and-a-half is the over-under set. Graham Mertz looked like the real deal in week one. Rick, what's your feeling on this game? Because I I mean, I'm very hesitant. I'm not going to pick Michigan. I I can guarantee I'm not because I hate Michigan. But... Like, what's the state of Wisconsin football right now with all the, the COVID concerns right now?
0: Well, I don't know if Mertz is starting or not, but if he is, I'm on the Mertz magic carpet ride, Wisconsin all the way.
2: Okay, David.
3: David? Yeah, I'm with him. I'm with Rick again on. I like I think this is the nail in the coffin for Harbaugh right here that he's going to lose to Wisconsin and then that's it. He's done. You think
2: so? This week, it's the axe is going down this week.
3: Oh, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, Michigan should should make the move early, should get rid of them, and then clear the decks to go go get another coach, go get a coach, that you know, and open up the process early. You know, what's the point of hanging on to them? All
2: right. No, I hear you. I hear you. Um, I Like I said, I'm not going to pick Michigan, so zoom right past that one. The most important game of the week, Notre Dame facing off against Boston College, 13-and-a-half-point favorites, Notre Dame, 49-and-a-half I'll get my pick out of the way. Picking the Irish. Picking the Irish. They have their eyes set forward. They are not not going to let such a monumental win in the Brian Kelly era go to the wayside. David, are you with me?
3: No, because Kelly's going to screw it up. I don't care how many times you ask me this question. Kelly's going to screw it up. Doesn't matter. It's going to get screwed up. He tried to screw it up in the third quarter last week. They had to go to double overtime against a he freshman quarterback.
2: He doesn't call the plays.
3: It doesn't It he- He's a head coach. He's going to screw it up one way or another. It's just who he is. So, no, I'm not going your way. BC's gonna going to cover. BC's going to freaking win. And that is going to be the revenge of the freaking Notre Dame backup quarterback that got thrown out on the street. Coming in six foot five, two hundred and forty pounds, slinging the ball around on that Notre Dame team, and they're gonna beat BC's gonna wind up beating them. I'm gonna get sick as a dog.
2: If you if you've been tuning into Locked On Irish this week, you know that it is very difficult for me to talk about Drew Drukovic in a Boston College uniform. Rick, I need you to be the voice of reason here and disagree with David. Please. Wait, you know,
0: you know what's coming, and you can tell you live in New Jersey because you're like typical New York media. You ask the same question five different ways, hoping that you're going to get some kind of right answer or a juicy tidbit. You know what it is. I, you could take the 13 the right points. Wait, the right you answer. you take the 13 points, but guess what, ladies and gentlemen? You won't
2: need them. Boston College wins it outright. I'm very disappointed, both of you guys. I'm, I'm very disappointed.
3: You know what it is. Yeah, you already uh, know it's going to happen. I, I
2: don't know, it, David. I don't know it because I've Every never time been.
3: Every the comes up and they're not playing Notre Dame, you're all over the quarterback. You love this kid. You love this kid. I you do love him. It. And he now that he's really going to play in the other Golden
2: Domes, well, you know he knows, he knows it's coming deep down. He's a future first round pick. I, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not swaying away from that. But Ryan, Ryan's going to wake it. up
0: Saturday morning and have a good old gut check when he washes his face, looks in the mirror, and says, "Phil Jerkovic."
2: You guys picked Notre Dame to lose last week. So you just, you're just, you're, you want to talk about haters? And they nearly did. David, it was a great game. Give the guy some credit, man. Come no. On. No. Oh. Get, get oh. him out of here. We're going over to Mailbag for the last few minutes here. We have been. You've you know, got mail. Hard. We're, we're good. We've got mail. We've been going overtime every week, so we might as well keep the trend running here. Absolutely. So,
0: absolutely, gonna- let's go double overtime. Who cares? Yeah, let's go double overtime <laughs> <laughs> trying to win a game. Uh, like the Notre Dame, <laughs> like the Fighting Irish
2: baby double OT.
0: We need we to have, pull it out of here.
2: <laughs> we have Gage Bridgeford, which put us our first question into the chat for tonight. Okay, Gage. Okay, Gage, he so said, think that Rondell Moore in the first for Green Bay is a legit possibility despite not fitting their traditional size guidelines. So, Gage, I'm going to say my thought process for that one. You know when Aaron Rodgers was at his best. He had Jory Nelson on one side, he had James Jones the other, and they had the little slot man out of Kentucky, Randall Cobb, running that slot. Randall Cobb certainly did not hit those size thresholds that you're talking about there. I'm going Rondell Moore, man. Green Bay needs some dynamic element outside of Devontae Adams. Devontae Adams is a a textbook route runner, great releases. They need somebody with speed and somebody with juice. So I am giving them Rondell Moore. I think the fit makes a lot of sense, personally. Let's go to next question. If you're the Jaguars, I guess we'll go to Rick on this one. If you're the Jaguars, would you rather Fields slash Lance and the best player available at the Rams pick or best player available at their pick, and Zach Wilson at the Rams selection? What? <laughs> wait, 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 what? That was a confusing question. All right, let's go. All right, so the Jaguars have two, two first-round picks. So you say, would you rather take either uh, Justin Fields or Trey Lance with their first selection and the best player available with their second or take the best player available non-quarterback with the first pick and then wait it out for Zach Wilson?
0: Uh, Boy, complicated questions. Well, I'm not, I'm not really there on Zach Wilson yet. Personally, I like what Justin Fields is doing. I think that, you know, from, from what I've understood that there's some real legitimacy to how close him and Lawrence really are. And, So, you know, for me, give me the better quarterback, which is Justin Fields all day.
2: Absolutely. I'm there with you on that one. Russell Irving put into the chat. Shout out to Russell. Overall, do you think, and we'll go to David on this one. Overall, do you think opting out has improved or damaged draft stock for players? Are there any players that have significant? Let's just start with the first part of that question, David. Overall, do you think opting out has improved or damaged draft stock for players?
3: It's going to be a case by case basis. I think in some, in some instances, it's going to hurt them. Um, do I have a specific player in mind? No, I don't. I just think it's going to be a case to case basis. Um, and as they're being graded out on the draft boards, who's going to penalize them for not playing and who's going to say it doesn't matter. His talent is his talent and we know he's healthy, you know, so. Well, yeah, I, I think, think the one
0: be- guy, if I can jump in here, Jamie Newman is the one guy that comes to mind for me because my understanding is that he actually lost the quarterback job at Georgia, which is why he opted out. And so does that mean that, does
2: that, mean that he lost it to um, Stetson Bennett? The kid Bennett? that got hurt.
0: No, 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 no. Remember oh, JT Daniels?
2: JT Daniels. Okay.
0: No, 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 no. Before Stetson Bennett came in, there was a kid who won the job. And he got hurt the first game. Then Stetson Bennett came in. That's who he lost it to.
2: So to Juan and Mathis.
0: Is that the yeah? I mean, I, I forget who it was. He had you know Not such right. a short story. But to me, that that is the guy because now you've got a school in Wake Forest that is basically like, hey, middle finger salute. You you kind of left us ha- out hang, hanging, hanging a dry. And then you've got the Georgia program. It's like we barely knew you, kid. So I I don't even know if he's going to have a pro day to work out at, which is why that senior bowl invite looms so large. But my understanding is it's between the ears with this kid. He he can't process the information. And so that's the guy that stands out to me in terms of opting out. There's a lot of question marks there.
2: Yeah. And that's the guy that was on the top of my head too. I was like, I know he got the senior bowl invite, which is obviously going to be a big week for him down in Mobile. But I was like, It's not a good look, man, like opting out just because you lost. I mean, I I understand the reasoning. I understand the mindset, but that's a problem. If you did not win that quarterback battle with the lack of quarterback talent in that room right now, it's not pretty down there in Athens, Georgia. So I'm really worried about that one as well. He also asked about some risers. I mean, obviously, like any riser right now, right, like Kyle Trask. Zach Wilson, those are the guys that come to mind without this season. Are we talking about them in first round conversation potentially? Mac Jones in, in, the, in somewhere in the early day two potentially. Those are the guys that have really taken advantage of there being a season right now. So that would be one for me, Rick. We got a Giants question I think on here, so let's talk Giants for a second. Man. lay it
0: on me, baby.
2: <laughs> are the New York Giants better off drafting a new quarterback in 2021 or improving their O line with Penny Soul and maybe waiting it out on that one? Yeah.
0: Well, Daniel Jones is not the answer. I can tell you that. Uh, Last week was actually the first game of his career where he didn't turn the ball over. So kudos (laughs) to Daniel Jones. But, um, you know, listen, again, you can't win in the NFL unless you have a good quarterback play. So that's great if if you draft Panay Sewell. But if you don't have a guy that can deliver the ball, well, then what are you really doing? So I I think the Giants need to uh, move on and move out. And I compare, you know, uh, Daniel Jones is just Dave Brown with mobility.
2: Okay. All
3: right. There we See, go. I'm different. I like Daniel Jones. I think Daniel Jones is, has been under so much pressure with throwing the ball. I know Rick's different. Him and I have already gone back and forth on this one. But, <laughs> you know, I think if you draft the offensive lineman and you improve that, it's going to help shut <laughs> <laughs> – <laughs> Again – it's where I think if, if you if you draft up the offensive line, draft more defense for him, and get, get other positions, and, you know, again, a nice, tall receiver or something, you can get this offense going, get rid of that tight end that can't catch. He, everybody's all high on him, but that guy can't catch for, for to save his life.
2: Who is high on Evan Ingram?
3: <laughs> oh, there's people <laughs> oh. that are like, oh, I love this
2: guy. El? The Giants are – well, yeah, the Giants <laughs> are apparently – It's oh, man, it's gross. David, you, you need to stop, man. You're holding on to the David Cutcliffe tree thing going on with Daniel Jones, man. It's not there. It's not, no, it's I think he stretch. could be a guy. I do. I think he could be a guy. We'll see. Alex says Alex, – what position group has improved its stock as complete unity for the 2021 drafts over uh, over the course of the season thus far? So a group that maybe I was worried about going into the season that I'm coming around on, offensive tackle. I thought, you know, I already talked about Penny Sewell. After that, I had a lot of question marks going into the season. I'll tell you right now, there's a lot of guys I really do like. Talking about Spencer Brown from Northern Iowa, Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State, uh, Dylan Radins to a degree somewhere on day two, Uh, Jalen Mayfield, offensive tackle from Michigan, Samuel Cosme is a developmental left tackle. I think that the offensive tackle class is good, and I also think that it has a whole lot of depth. I think that day two... There's going to be a whole lot of good right tackles taken on day two. There are so many guys that I'm looking at and saying day one starters, man, potentially at right tackle. I think that it's that talented of a class. Um, Again, in that second, third round range, I think there's some quality depth to the offensive tackle group. All right, let's see what else we got. Looking down the list, I know it's early, Daniel Garrett says, for this, but do you have any position change candidates? All right, Rick, do you have anybody on the top of your mind that you're like, it's probably gonna have to take a take a new uh new journey at the NFL level positionally?
0: Well, I guess the, the King <laughs> is the guy that comes to mind, right? A yeah, five foot yeah. eight quarterback. I mean, I think he's gonna have to uh find himself in that uh Malcolm Perry kind of situation where you know we'll we'll take you to the seventh round, we'll kind of figure out a role for you. And, you know, I don't know if it's that quarterback. I think he can get an opportunity to showcase his talents there. But at the end of the day, he'll he'll probably have to make the switch. Um, you know, we, we spoke about Kadarius Tony on the morning show and how he could be used in that Curtis Samuel type of role uh, slash Antonio Gibson where – you know, you can line him up in the backfield just because he's he when he has the ball in his hands, he's like a running back. And you see, you know, they try to get him out in space and throw him the screen passes and just let him play. You know, make plays yards after the catch. I could see Kadarius Tony being kind of, you know, just an offensive weapon, quote unquote, utility guy.
3: Mm-hmm. I, I yeah, I'm right there with Tony. A- you know that I I think Tony is a guy that you put him with the right coordinator, he could be a really just an offensive weapon all over the place.
2: Mm-hmm. And David, do you have anybody come into mind? I know De'Aaron King was the first one that came to my mind. I was also thinking about um, the cornerback from South Carolina opposite J.C. Horn, Israel McQuamu. I think he's a safety at the next level. He's like a six-three plus corner that has a not very flexible lower half. He doesn't really turn and run too well. He's you know he's just kind of his feet get a little stuck. You know, I think he's a he's a box safety at the next level, which is kind of a weird transition, but. That's kind of the other guy that popped in my mind. I'm thinking about some other.
0: Yeah. Sean Dykes from Memphis is is a tight end. That's, you know, maybe, fullback. you know, yeah, he's like probably not even six foot one. So uh, him and Kyle Granger from SMU, I think are kind of that tight end fullback H back kind of
3: specimen.
2: That's another good one, too. David, you got anybody else you want to throw into the ring? No, nope. no. Nope. You guys
3: are covering them all.
2: All right, we're covering them all. I think there's a couple of defensive ends, some of the larger defensive ends that are probably gonna move inside, maybe even the odd man fronts, but maybe the three tech events. Well, your uh, Notre
0: did. Dame linebacker, he could play safety, he could play linebacker. I mean,
2: he could, he could. Uh, Jeremiah Wusu Moa, I I think see uh, David, you know who you know who he reminds me a little bit of? So he's about six foot one and a half, 215, 220 pounds. And he plays rover for Notre Dame. He came in as a safety. He's kind of bulked up. He's, he's pretty well put together. He reminds me how you're talking about that 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 undersized Sam Backer in the mold of like a Shaq Thompson. Like that's how I kind of view him to a degree. All right. So that is that. Are we got any other questions? We already talked about some of the guys we're very high on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I need, I need to, Rick, I need you to hire me a new producer real quick so we can uh, get through some of these questions. Oh, here's a good one. I think we can all kind of chip in on this last one for the night. Ready? Do we have a comparison for Micah Parsons? I think it's a very difficult one. I know uh, when Rick asked me about this probably a couple months ago, I said Keith Bullock from the Tennessee Titans. I see a lot of parallels with that length, ability to play in multiple roles, do different things. I think that there's versatility to him. So Keith Bullock's one I have. Um, I don't know if either one of you gentlemen have a better one than that.
3: Well, when I did the comparison of him, he was the same size as Pat Willis and Ray Lewis. I mean, he measured right with them. Um, at six foot one and like five eights and was 235 and he's going to run probably faster than both those guys so i mean his instincts and his ability to cover and do things to me he fits right in with those two guys when i did the physical comparisons of the measurables i think ray lewis
0: was 472 now if he runs faster than patrick willis which i think he will that'll be something because willis was 242 four five one or four five two i think he ran and i think yeah, parsons right. could run in the four fours so from a measurables, measurables standpoint i think patrick willis is, is the guy
2: okay yeah and i i, I kind of went with bull because i think when i looked at bulks combine numbers he was like six two and some change like 237 and ran like four five two or something like that so he was a pretty remarkable athlete as well yeah so Moving to the end here, I want to give our guys some shout-outs before we have the close here. We have Mr. Rick Saratella, again, owner of NFL Draft Bible, one of the best people I know. Rick, appreciate you coming on, man. If you want to leave the folks with Anything, shout-outs, what we have going on at the Draft Bible, anything at all you want to
0: leave us with? We, we, we would need another 90 minutes to bring <laughs> it all down. <laughs> <Right. Well, laughs> right. you know, uh, become a disciple today for our listening audience. You know, you want to go NFLDraftBible.com, all access, uh, Familia 50, Familia 50. Uh, it's a November to remember the entire month of November, whether you want to go all access, and get the the publication and the new premium website or you want to Uh, Check out Baldy Breakdown Seminar or Friday Night Scout School with these guys. Uh, Take advantage of that promo code. Of course, uh, the Ryan Roberts Mock Draft was released this morning. A lot of uh, bantering going on uh, on the state of football, which airs live weekdays, 9 a.m. Eastern or live six days a week. The NFL Draft Tailgate Show with these two uh, bozos here every Saturday morning on the tailgate (laughs) show, breaking it down for the people and, uh, you know, just. Shout out to David Turner and Ryan Roberts inviting me thirty four episodes.
2: That reminds me, I, 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 I did I, Rick. I did listen to the morning show this morning, and I, you know John Murphy called me clickbait man. I did not appreciate that one little bit. <laughs> did not appreciate it. <laughs> hey, I did my job. Uh, of course, David Turner here at Mav underscore Sports. David, you also have a ton going on right now. Traveling every weekend at this point. What do you want to leave the folks with? What have you been up to? What should we be looking forward to from you?
3: No, I mean, I think everybody at this point who listens to the podcast knows what I'm up to this weekend. We're in, uh, we're in Houston, Texas. We're doing the ANC. We're giving the young men some opportunities to come down, try out, get verified measurables, get a workout in, get some tape so they can send out as part of their resume and get it to the NFL teams. We're, um, you know, I'm going to be doing the podcast Friday Night Scout School this weekend with you doing running backs, trying to teach everybody how to grade out good running backs. Make sure they understand why they are premium. And again, if you have a good running back, how it balances out your offense better than uh not having one, obviously. And then, um, you know, from there on, I mean, we're still writing the books and we are still getting those to market hopefully soon. And, you know, it's just a crazy time at Mav Sports doing a lot of consulting breakdown film right now. The uptake on that is a lot of agents are contacting us writing film reports, making sure they're not ma- making bad decisions on who they're investing in coming up.
2: And as Rick would say, it's a can't-stop, won't-stop situation. Rick's going to be over there in Cali this weekend. David's going to be uh, down in Houston, Texas. I'm going to be in dreary New Jersey, but I look forward to talking again, obviously, with these good guys here at NFO Draft Bible. Rick, at Rising Draft, myself, at underscore sports. For Mr. David Turner, we appreciate everybody for taking a little glimpse into our crazy worlds here on Mav Sports Take Episode 14. Make sure you like, share, review, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, and Facebook. Again, Rise and draft for me, Mr. David Turner's at Mav underscore sports. Looking forward to seeing you all again next week, same time, same place. Have your Have a wonderful night. Talk to you again soon.
1: Thanks for listening to another episode of Mav Sports Take. Connect with us on social media, share your thoughts on today's episode, and tell us what we should take on next time on Mav Sports Take. Want more from our hosts, David and Ryan? Visit mavericksportsconsulting.com and learn how we can help you take the next step in your sports career. Until next time, this is Mav Sports Take.